Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. We want to go back to that breaking news right now. The active search for a killer after two people are found in a pool of blood. ABC Action News reporter Michael Paluska live from the scene near Witterhaven for us tonight. Michael. Jameson, Wendy, the sheriff, very concerned tonight for residents that live in this area. We are here off of Dundee Road near 17th Street Northeast in unincorporated Winter Haven, and they believe that that murder suspect, a double murder suspect and some killings from yesterday, and a man wanted for a murder in Tennessee is still in this area. They are patrolling by helicopter and also on uh, the ground as well. These are the shots of that man that we just got released from the sheriff's office. You can see he's tatted up. His name is Stanley Mossberg. He's 35 years old. He is considered armed and extremely dangerous. The sheriff telling everyone in this area tonight to lock themselves inside their homes and if they do have a weapon, to arm themselves. Apparently what has been happening out here in the scene that you're looking at is where a man came home to his Winter Haven home. Two of the people that live inside his home were found dead, a man and a woman. When he found those two people dead, apparently the suspect that we just showed you, Mossberg, came out and told the victim, who is still alive, thankfully, that he isn't going to kill him because God told him not to kill that victim. He held him yesterday overnight into today and then the sheriff says that the suspect in this case Mossberg finally released him sometime this afternoon around one o'clock he stole that victim's car and then apparently there was a, a, a alert across uh, nationwide for this vehicle the suspect Mossberg came back here to Winterhaven to the scene of the crime parked the car about a block away and then said that these victims were number seven and eight so the two people killed here in this Winterhaven home according to Mossberg they're still working to verify that were seven and eight people that he'd killed tonight so he is still in this area. You're asked to not come down here, and the sheriff also telling us we should clear this area, too. He thinks this guy's here, and he did say he's going to kill more tonight. Definitely a scary night for deputies. We'll keep you posted. We're live here in Winter Haven tonight. Michael Paluska, ABC Action News. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to the Demon Inside. On this episode of the Demon Inside, we're going to be talking about Stanley Mossberg. Stanley Mossberg is a spree killer. A spree killer, according to the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the FBI, the definition of a spree killer is a person who commits two or more murders without a cooling-off period. The lack of a cooling-off period marks the difference between a spree killer and a serial killer. You already know that our suspect is Stanley Eric Mossberg. He's 35 years of age. He's from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Stanley 
without a doubt, is a spree killer. We know that he's killed one person in Greenville, Tennessee, and he's killed two people in Winter Haven, Florida. The voice that you're hearing right now is Sheriff Grady Judd. And if you get a chance, you really need to uh, look him up on Facebook and on uh, YouTube. This guy is amazing. And he gets his job done. Uh, he does everything from pedophiles to rioters to serial killers to just about everybody that's in his county in Polk County and uh, if you get a chance look him up on YouTube again that's Sheriff Grady Judd G-R-A-D-Y J-U-D-D back to Greenville South Carolina or I'm sorry Greenville Tennessee October 1st about 11 o'clock at night there is a man there that is doing the laundry. He's all by himself in the laundromat. When the video in the laundromat shows that a white male walks in all alone, pulls a gun, and forces our, our Tennessee victim into a bathroom. About four minutes later, the Tennessee victim comes out of the bathroom followed by our suspect Mossberg, who's holding a gun on him. He's bound. His hands and by his hands and arms are bound against his body, as it's described to us. The suspect then picks up the victim's cell phone and follows the victim out of the front of the laundromat and out of view. About two o'clock in the morning, the victim's wife becomes concerned because her husband's not home from the laundromat, so she tries to text him. She gets a phone text back from her husband's cell phone that is a very vile, ugly, nasty text, leading her to believe, according to the text, that he's out with a girlfriend. The wife says, uh-uh, that ain't happening, and she immediately dials 911. The Greenville police go to the laundromat because the wife says, I know my husband, he didn't do that, he's not doing that, and she was exactly right. They go there, look around, they don't see anything. But at that point in time, the victim's car is gone. Uh, underscore the fact that it's a stolen vehicle and I'll wrap back around to that in a minute so they don't see anything they Greenville police leave about seven o'clock the next morning which is now October 2nd customers are starting to come into the laundromat it's warm in the laundromat so they open the back door or they go out back and what do they find but they find this man this husband in a pool of blood dead of course at during this time they begin to look for the victim's car which has been reported stolen it is a Buick LeSabre 
So after finding out that his son, Christopher, uh, died, the next day, Alan Short, his father, had a massive heart attack and passed away as well. On October 2nd, the sister to the suspect buys him a ticket because he says he wants to go to Orlando, Florida. So follow me. He has driven, he has driven from Tennessee back home to Spartanburg. Even though the, the car is not discovered until the 5th, the sister buys him a ticket to Orlando because that's where the suspect wants to go. So Mossberg wants to go, who is our suspect, wants to go to Orlando. And we, at this point in the investigation, have no idea why he wanted to go to Orlando. The state of Florida always has these unique crimes where it was Rudy Eugene, the cannibal killer, or Austin Haroff, another cannibal killer, who were both naked and basically trying to bite the faces off of people. You have serial killers and spree killers and everything else in Florida. Why Florida? For me, Florida might actually have a portal and maybe it's allowing these evil entities in. But let's continue on. Now it's 10.30 p.m. on October 13th when I'm going to refer to three victims. Our live victim arrives home. When our live victim arrives home, he hears our female victim number two say, just do what he says and he won't hurt you. So we, so the first he knows there's problems, our, our live victim knows there's problems is when he walks into his home and he lives there with two friends, a male and a female. And he sees the victim, female victim, bound in a chair. The suspect approaches, suspect Mossberg approaches our live victim and says, I have guns and knives and I'll kill you if you resist me. The suspect begins to take our live victim through the house and that's when he sees the female tied to a chair with her hands behind her back. Our suspect Mossberg tells the live victim, don't look in the master bedroom. You won't like what you see in there. He takes our live victim into, if you will, kind of an office where there's a small safe, there's computers, and he begins to rip the cords out of the computers, and now he's tying our live victim into a chair. He demands money and valuables. They give him the combination to the safe. There's very little in there other than important papers such as passports. Now we're, we're into a period of hours where the suspect is now threatening our live victim. I know you have more. I know you have more. The victim's saying, we don't have any more. 
then during this conversation, our suspect Mossberg says that victim one, who was the male in the master bedroom, tried to fight back. So I made him suffer before I killed him. This is really important, uh, especially with us doing the demon inside. So he went in there with the intent to kill this guy because he didn't say, you know, I killed this guy because he wasn't cooperating. No, he says, I killed him. I, it took me longer to kill him because he was uncooperative, which means I was going to kill him regardless. Whether he suffered or didn't, I was going to kill him. And that's pretty much the statement that that makes. And you're going to hear a little bit later a similar statement. I'll let you listen to the rest of this. The suspect stays, Mossberg stays at the residence all night long. A period of time later through the night, understanding that our victim's elderly and sick and on medicine, our live victim, the suspect comes back to the live victim and says that he's killed our female victim, number two. But he did it quick because she was cooperative. So again, this is him saying that there was no other option. She was never going to survive this, but he could control whether or not she was going to be in pain or not like the other victim. So he went in with the thought that these two people are going to die. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. He knows how to kill people quick. He has slashed and murdered both of these victims. He slashed and murdered the victim in Tennessee with knives. Then our suspect Mossberg poured bleach on our victims, got a mop bucket, put a solution together, and started cleaning up the residence, mopping the floors. Sunrise occurs. Our live victim is still totally cooperating, is trying to do everything he can not to excite this, this obvious evil murdering person. So the suspect unties the victim and allows him to sit on the porch. I mean, I'm sat in the living room. Our suspect describes that he is panicked beyond all description, as you can imagine. He tells our, vict our live victim, tells suspect Mossberg, can you turn the air conditioner up? I'm freezing to death. He says, nope, I turned the air conditioner down. I need to keep it cool so that 
these victims don't start to smell. He stays there all through the morning loading up stolen property into our victim number two, our female victim's car. At about noon, 12 to 1 o'clock, he said he's going to leave. I'll be back for the bodies, but I'm leaving. If you call the cops, I'll kill you. Our victim, our live victim says, I'm afraid he's just outside or hiding around the corner. This person that understand is evil in the flesh. So a few hours later, this victim uh, that eventually left and went to a neighbor's house, dialed 911, had the police show up. And this is... it. It's really weird because what happened was there was over 50 police officers in that neighborhood and Mossberg came back with the victim's car and he was probably about a block and a half away. One of the officers that was doing a check around the neighborhood said this, this car wasn't here two minutes ago. So he went back and told the police chief and the police chief came out, or the sheriff came out and the sheriff felt the car and they pretty much figured that it was, it had just been parked for two minutes. So they started to get really excited about that, but at the same time fearful not just for themselves, but for the people in the area, as well as the news reporters. We don't know how many lives the captain might have saved by finding that vehicle that quickly, because obviously we set up a perimeter. And where is our black F-250 dually? It's behind the gate, spray painted with cans of white paint. It actually took me a second or two to understand this. But he was actually staying at a house a block and a half away from where his victims were. And where they saw the car parked, they looked into the yard on the other side of the gate in that house, and there was the F-250. He had been staying with a couple for the last couple of days. He had told them that he had just gotten out of prison and he needed a place to live. And these people were being so nice, but he basically used them. And I have some footage of that from the news media. Boy, that house, <laughs> that house looks like something now, doesn't it? It's something else. You can tell the deputies weren't taking any chances, and they certainly meant business last night as this house was completely surrounded by SWAT team members. And, well, not a window, not a door, even the siding taken off the house. So not much left on the outside of this house after uh, this triple murder suspect barricaded himself inside 
the home. And now he is in custody of the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Uh, and like I said, with that armed suspect uh, and suspected killer inside there, these SWAT team members weren't messing around. Uh, as you can imagine, an especially tense night for neighbors who were told to stay indoors and keep a firearm close just in case. Now, as SWAT and canine units swarm the area, the owner of this home watched in disbelief. She tells us that she had just met the man who had holed up inside her home two days ago. She says she and her husband took him in because he told them that he'd just been released from jail and needed their help getting back on his feet. He told us about what he did and stuff like that, but he didn't tell us a whole lot. And he seemed nice enough, you know, he gave us some money for helping him and everything. And then um, he came back tonight. Um, with, he was real nervous. He came in my room. Oh, he came in my room. And gave a um, had a gun and um, some drugs, and he threw everything on the floor. And uh, he showed me the gun. And I said, "You're not going to shoot me too with that, are you?" And he said, "No." And I looked at the window and I see the police lights. So I said, "I want to go see." I see the police are out there. I said, what? "I said you really brought them fast." I said, "They're here." Yeah, he says they're probably here for me. Sheriff's office tells us that. Uh, Mossberg had just left her neighbor's home where he'd killed two people and taken a third hostage on Sunday night. Sheriff Grady Judd tells us that this is the man that they believe murdered the two people there on Sunday. He's 35-year-old Stanley Mossberg, and before Sunday's slaying, he was already wanted in connection to a murder in Greene County, Tennessee. Sheriff also tells us that Mossberg told his hostage that he's killed uh, a total of eight people so far and the sheriff's office says at this point they can only confirm uh, the three deaths the one in Tennessee and the two just around the corner from this home where he'd hold up but of course we are standing by for more information from the Polk County Sheriff's Office. When the police were questioning the witnesses survived he had said that Mossberg told him that he wanted to be a serial killer and that there was eight Altogether, seven and eight were his last two, and that the first one was the one in Tennessee. So the police still haven't confirmed, and this has been three years ago, and I guess they didn't confirm uh, there was anybody else. But Mossberg started saying something, and this is why he made our show. This is why he made The Demon Inside. And he said to police and to the news media, and I'm going to play what he said here in a minute, but he was saying that he was killing people because God told him to. God told him to kill because God needed an army to fight the demons and that this fight is going to be happening real soon. But that's what this guy believed in, and that's what he was telling his victim and that's what he's telling the news media. So take a listen to this unfiltered news. Uh, this was when he was walking out of the jail or the uh, processing station and he was going to the jail. And uh, the news media got him coming out of the door and sitting in the backseat of a police car. And this is what he started telling them. Y'all will see God and there's going to be a... Angels and demons fight from God. Angels and demons fight from God? What does that mean? What does that mean, Stanley? There's a war. What war? Everybody can see. Which side are you on, Stanley? I'm the good side of God. 
Did you do it for God? Yes. What do you think these people did did wrong? We need them for the Lord. So you think you saved them? Do you think you saved them? Okay. Do you have any do remorse? It? Do you have any remorse? Not when you're doing it for God. Where are you going now, heaven or hell? I'm going to heaven. I'm already a prophet. You said you killed eight people. Do you believe you're I a serial killer? That's one of the that's one of the victims. They said you said to them you killed eight people. You wanted to be a serial killer. And that you wanted to be a serial killer. Is that true? It's not. Why isn't it true? Because I'm a prophet, not a serial killer. So you don't believe you did anything wrong? I'm doing what God tells me to do. So you think killing people is right? I'm doing what God tells me to do. Do you do you hear things in your head? I don't think so. What that man at the laundromat in Greenville do to you? God needed him. So you just innocently took his life? God wanted him. Did you say anything to any of these victims before you took their lives? Anything? Are you praying for them? Yes. So is Stanley a prophet of God and did God need soldiers for his army? Did God tell him to kill these people for their help? Or was it a demon? Was it demons telling him what he wanted to hear so that he could go around and kill people without any remorse? Or was he just a freaking lunatic who decided one day he was going to kill people, steal cars, drive across the country, and destroy as many lives as he could. But here's what bothers me about that scenario. Why not just kill the third victim in the house? I mean, he already had two dead bodies. The police were all over the place. God told him not to kill that person for a specific reason. But God did tell him to kill the other three. Why not just finish what you started? Steal the stuff? Stay in the house? Sneak out later on? He could have done that. But instead, he let him live. Because that's what God told him to do. Thanks for listening to this week's Demon Inside. Um, John Venom, and I will see you again next week. Have a good one. Don't forget to subscribe to the Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory, or through our website, anchor.fm backslash the Demon Inside. A new episode of the Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. 
It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.